in our body. Welcome to Shamish Baptist Temple. Let's all stand and we'll start off with a word of prayer. Uh, Brother Beavers, it's good to have you back. Amen. Let's all take your hymn most and turn over to hymn number 294. Hymn number 294, stepping in the way.
Well, amen. It's good to be in the Lord's house tonight and have each one of you with us. And uh, we'll be in Jeremiah chapter 47. We are making our way right through the book of Jeremiah. I uh, had a printout there. Um, did everybody get a printout? Okay. So um, this is just kind of a brief timeline of Jeremiah's life, and you'll see at like 627 B.C., uh, Jeremiah 1.1, 1, 1, 
is written, and it kind of gives you an idea of what's going on around him. So we have 2 Chronicles at 640 B.C., uh, 2 Chronicles chapter 34 at 622 B.C., and uh, then we get to Jeremiah uh, chapter 46 at 605, and uh, then Jeremiah 36 at 604. And uh, some of this, the reason that some of the earlier chapters show up after the older chapters is because of the timeline the prophecy was being written for. And uh, then uh, we have Second Kings shows up at 601, uh, and then we're with uh, Jeremiah 51, which we're close to, uh, 593, and then uh, at 561. And they don't have a definite time as to when uh, Jeremiah died, and so we don't have uh, you know, a definite finish time for the prophet Jeremiah, uh, but he did the work that the Lord called him to do. And so uh, that just kind of brings you up to speed uh, with where we're at. Uh, when it comes to uh, the book of Jeremiah. So tonight, uh, we're going to do chapters 47 and 49, and then next week our hope is to do chapter 50 and 51, and then the, uh, we'll have the Lord's Supper the following week, and then the final week of the month, uh, we'll do chapter 52 and finish the book of Jeremiah. And um, we know, and I've shared with you several times, uh, the, we're not trying to be exhaustive here. Uh, that would take a whole lot longer. I'm just trying to give you some food for fodder, something to think on, uh, something to do a little more Bible study with. And uh, so uh, with that in mind, uh, we're going to start with this thought, Jeremiah prophesies against other foreign nations. And so uh, last week we saw him prophesy um, against some nations. We're going to see uh, some more here uh, this week, and he starts with a judgment on the Philistines, and uh, verse number one of chapter 47 says, the word of the Lord that came to Jeremiah the prophet against the Philistines before that Pharaoh smote Gaza. Thus saith the Lord, behold, waters rise up out of the north and shall be an over, <coughs> excuse me, an overflowing flood and shall overflow the land and all that is therein the city and them that dwell therein. Then the men shall cry, and all the inhabitants of the land shall howl. At the noise of the stamping of the hooves of his strong horses, at the rushing of his chariots, and at the stumbling of his wheels, the fathers shall not look back to their children for feebleness of hands. Because of the day that cometh to spoil all the Philistines, and to cut off from uh, Thyrus and Zidon, uh, every helper that remaineth, for the Lord will spoil the Philistines, the raiment of the company of Camptor. Baldness is come upon Gaza. Ascalon is cut off from the remnant of their valley. How long wilt thou cut thyself? O thou sore of the Lord, how long will it be ere, ere uh, thou be quiet? Put up thyself into thy scabbard. Rest and be still. Uh, how can it be quiet, seeing the Lord hath given it a charge against Ashkelon and against the seashore. Thou hath he appointed, there hath he appointed it. Lord, we love you tonight and we thank you for our time together. We thank you for your word that we can hold in our hands and study from. I pray, dear God, that you would give us uh, an enlightened heart, understanding, that we might be able to uh, grasp what's being taught here. 
Uh, Lord, I pray that as uh, we see the judgment that's going to be pronounced in prophecy against these nations, and then we know later that it was carried out, I pray that we'd be mindful of where we are uh, as individuals in a country that no, uh, no doubt uh, can and should be under the judgment hand of God. And I pray that we as children of God would seek to walk with you and to know you and to live lives that might bring honor and glory to you, that we might be a witness in this dark hour in which we live. Thank you for your many blessings. And this time together, we love you. We ask these things in your name. Amen. And so this message of doom is for the Gentile nation of Felicia or the Philistines. Uh, it was a thorn in the side of Israel for many years. You remember as we read back to David and Saul, and they're always having battles with uh, the Philistines uh, for many years. God's judgment was set to come down on them. And the Philistines uh, lived mostly in what we now know as the Gaza Strip. So that kind of gives you an understanding of where we're talking about. And so uh, uh, Felicia, uh, here in chapter 47, Jeremiah predicts that this, uh, this nation's destruction, the source uh, is verse number 1 and verses 6 and 7, and God will empower the Egyptian army. They're going to come up and they're going to smite them. And uh, we see the source, and then we see the severity in verses 2 through 5 of chapter 47. Uh, it's going to be a severe thing. Uh, the enemy is going to overrun the Philistines like a mighty flood. Verse number 2, it will destroy the land and the people. The fathers will abandon their children, attempting to escape. Now, I just, I don't understand how a father could leave his kids. You know, as a dad, I'd want to lay my life down for my children to protect them. But these men are to the point that they're going to abandon their kids. They're going to, hey, you're on your own. I'm more worried about me getting out of here than you being taken care of. And so fathers will abandon their children, attempting to escape. And man, I'd love to preach there a little bit about dads abandoning homes today and leaving kids without a father figure uh, in the home. And, uh, you know, we've, that's run rampant for years in America. And then the third thing we see is the chief cities of Gaza and Ashkelon uh, will uh, be utterly destroyed in verse number 5. And so that brings us to our second point, uh, which is Ammon. And uh, this begins chapter 49, 1 through 6. Uh, these, there's going to be more nations judged here in chapter 49. We're going to see... Uh, Ammon judged, uh, the Edomites are going to be judged, Damascus, as uh, several cities, Damascus and Keter and Hazor and the nation of Elam. And so chapter 49 is full of a lot of judgment on a lot of different people. And so the Ammonites are the nation that is the result of Lot's incest relationship with his daughter after the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. And so you remember... Uh, Lot leaves, his wife's turned to a pillar of salt, two of his daughters go with him, they go to the mountain, and then uh, each night, two nights in a row, the daughters make him drink till he becomes drunk, and, and each night uh, one of the daughters laid with him. And uh, so this is the offspring of one of those incestual relationships. Uh, so the reason of the punishment is quite evident. Chapter 49 and verse number 1, the Ammonites are driven out of the Israelite tribe of Gad and are occupying their homes. And so 
the results in verses 2 through 5 is that God will burn the Amorite cities and drive them from the occupied lands and allow their neighbors to chase them from their land. And so punishment's coming. The Amorites are going to be driven out. Uh, they're going to burn the Ammonite cities. They're going to drive them from the lands that they occupy. And uh, the neighbors are even going to chase them. And the third thing that we find under this second point of, of Ammon is that the reassurance in verse number six. But afterwards, I will destroy the fortunes of the Ammonites, says, uh, says the Lord. And so he's going to totally afflict them. He's going to kick them out of their land. He's going to put them on the run. And then he's going to take the, what's left of their fortunes uh, as a result of the judgment that's going to come against them. And then we come to Edom. Edom is found in verses 7 through 22. It's the longest of the judgments here in chapter 49. And you remember with me, uh, you probably recognize really quick, the Edomites are the descendants of Esau. And so you might remember uh, Jacob leaves the country. He has the time with God at Bethel. He goes on. Uh, he marries Leah and Rachel. And he takes on a couple of concubines there, has 12 children. He comes back. And uh, Esau had said after his father died, he was going to take his brother's life. Uh, but when he comes back, Esau does not fulfill that. Uh, but thinking about Esau, you know, Esau was a rascal of a guy. The uh, first thing and one of the most important things that stand out about Esau is that he despised his birthright. And that birthright was more than just an inheritance. It was his rightfulness to lead the family. Uh, I remember as my mom and dad were putting together uh, wills and trusts, um, they said this is the way that we want it to work. Uh, we want you to be able to come in. We want the boys to divide uh, whatever there is. And if it cannot be divided uh, peaceably, then it's all to be sold and divide the money that's left over. And uh, they told us right at the get-go, uh, your older brother Mike's going to be in charge of that. And so we just knew, you know, this were the way things were going to be done. Uh, Esau had that birthright. He was going to be the leader of the home when it came to the physical, financial aspect and also from the spiritual aspect. But he despised that, all for a bowl of pottage, for a little bit of food. He gave away his right uh, to lead the family. He gave away his right uh, spiritually to lead the family. And so it's like he knew who God was, but he turned his back on God. He chose some pottage, some physical nourishment, over God and walked away from God. And of course, we see uh, incidents like that all the time where we are in America today, people choosing uh, the world over God, uh, having been raised in a good Christian home, going to a good church, and uh, all of a sudden they turn their back on God, they walk away from Him. Uh, I've had someone turn me on to some reels, and they get real discouraging, and I don't watch very many, but every once in a while I'll watch a a reel by this guy that he's got independent Baptist uh, kids that have left the ranks of independent Baptists. And, you know, they get on the soapbox and rant and rave about uh, parents and about the way they were, uh, you know, taught in churches and things like that. It's just really disheartening. And what they're doing is they're kind of giving or selling their birthright, if you would, spiritually away. 
And so that's what happened here. He, he turned his back on his birthright, turned his back upon God, all for some physical enjoyment. So the first thing we see, letter A, is the punishment. This comes in several verses. You have your pen uh, 7 through 10, 12 through 15, and 17 through 22. Uh, so this is going to be the punishment. Uh, we have the entire land will be stripped bare and its people will be killed. So Edom's going to have it really rough. They're going to come in, they're going to kill everybody, and they're going to strip the land bare. They're going to take the spoil, and then they're going to destroy everything that's left. The chief city, uh, Bozerah, will be cursed, mocked, and destroyed. Uh, that's verses 12 through 15 and 17 through 21. And its young people will be enslaved. Its mighty warriors will become frightened. And that's verses 20 through 22. And so it's going to be quite a punishment that's going to come. Uh, the land's going to be left desolate. Uh, the, the young people will be let off into slavery. The mighty warriors would be frightened to the point they can't fight anymore. And uh, so that's the punishment. The second thing is the pride. The pride. Verse number 16 <clears throat> talks about dwelling high in the mountains in a rock fortress. The people think themselves untouchable. And so they begin to think that they're pretty secure. They become very prideful in where they live and they've got a rock fortress and they think themselves to be untouchable. I just like to remind us, okay, and the fact that God sees and knows us everywhere we go. We can go out in the darkest part of the parking lot and he still knows where we're at, what we're thinking, what, what we're doing. He knows all that. The darkest of the night, uh, however far away you are from anyone around you, God is still there. And some people think, well, God doesn't see me, so I'm basically untouchable. God's, God, you know, he can't get a hold of me. I just remind you, God, God can get a hold of you wherever you're at, okay? And so uh, let's not be lifted up with pride like these individuals were. And then uh, Edom's going to uh, recognize not only uh, the punishment and the pride, but the protection. Verse number 11, God promises to protect the surviving widows and orphans. And so God seeks to protect those who cannot defend for themselves. The surviving widows and the orphans, God's going to watch out for them, provide for them, and care for them. Leads us to our, our fourth uh, point tonight, which is Damascus. So here's the beginning of the three cities that we're going to talk about, uh, these are called northern cities. Uh, we would probably relate them to like city-states today, a little larger than uh, a regular city, a, a well-operating machine within itself. And so we deal with Damascus, verses 23 through 27. And uh, we see, uh, first of all, the towns are filled with fear. Verses 23 and 24, they hear the news of their destruction. They know destruction's coming. They know it's the hand of God. There's nothing they can do about it. It's going to come. Uh, the second point here is that the famous city of joy will be abandoned and forsaken. And so Damascus had been known as the city of joy. It's going to be abandoned, forsaken, verses 25 through 27, and the warriors will all be killed. And so any who would stand up, any who would try to defend, they're all going to be killed and uh, the city is going to be destroyed. It brings us to uh, Kadar and Hazer, number 5. These are verses 28 through 33. 
And uh, when we think of Kedar and Hazor, uh, God has this for them, two major points. Uh, God's message to the victor of chapter 49, 28 through 29 and 31 through 33. And uh, we see the who uh, is that God issues a direct command to the Babylonian king, Nebuchadnezzar. So Nebuchadnezzar is going to come. He's going to be the victor over these two cities. The what is found in verses 29, 31 through 33. He's to attack these two rich um, Bedonium tribes and take all of their wealth. And the why is verse 31. It's because of their pride. And so this judgment's coming because of their pride. Uh, he's going to let Nebuchadnezzar know. Nebuchadnezzar is going to come in, attack them, take away all their wealth. That leads us to the second point uh, under this, which is God's message to the victim. So God wants to warn uh, the people of Kedar and uh, Hazer, and he says he warns the people of, of these two tribes to flee. He says the best thing you can do is leave the country. Get out of here. Leave the country. That brings us to our final point tonight, which is uh, Elam, uh, verses 34 through 39. And um, here we find two points again. Uh, first of all, it will be destroyed, verses 34 through 38. And his fortunes will be restored in the latter days, verse number 39. So they face the same type of judgment God's going to bring against them. All their fortunes and wealth will be taken, but eventually God will restore uh, the wealth to Elam. And so that kind of brings us to the close of Jeremiah 47 through 49. Now I know <coughs> in times past we've been uh, having an invitation, but since this is more like a Bible study, I want to just conclude with this thought. We'll have a word of prayer, and then I'll have Brother James come uh, with our prayer requests. Lord, we love you and we thank you for your many blessings to us. We thank you for our time together tonight. Uh, we thank you for the lessons that we can learn here uh, from chapter 47 and chapter 49. I pray that we do a little study on our own, that you would enlighten our thinking and our hearts and give us wisdom to understand uh, those things that we've dealt with here this evening. Thank you for your many blessings. And this time together, we love you and we ask these things in your name. Amen. Uh, so we'll be going through our prayer request. Brother James comes. There's two things I want to address uh, with the church body.